It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios and Sports Radio 92.9 The Game's John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you on this Tuesday evening. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app's how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. Going to have uh, Rankham coming up at 1040 this evening, so make sure you get your list together for us, both on my Twitter page and on the text line. This is your nightly look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. So, Kadri Allison signed with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguar, so good to see him land on his feet. Uh, no details about the uh, the contract, but um, we'll see if he can get, you know, maybe a fresh start and um, see if he can do something for uh, Jacksonville. Certainly had a, you know, certainly Jacksonville, the, the team themselves, had a really good year last year, getting to the second round of the playoffs. So, um, you know, all arrows are pointing up for Jacksonville coming off the Urban Meyer debacle and the fact that they were, you know, what, 3-14 and 14, um, the past season. So, crazy to think. All right. Now, Pro Football Focus has early and late-round fits for all 32 teams. And it, looking at the NFL draft, okay? So, an early pick, in this case for the Falcons, eight. And then a potential later-round pick. All right, here's what they have for the Falcons. The early pick, cornerback Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. For the late pick, Brandon, uh, sorry, Brenton Cox Jr., the defensive edge player out of Florida. <clears throat> they say the Falcons need major defensive upgrades. Rather than force a defensive line selection at eight, a top-tier cornerback opposite A.J. Terrell would give them a great duo. Later in the draft, Cox provides intriguing pass rush potential, posting 21 pressures in eight games. Now, Dylon, if we draft a cornerback early in the first round, okay, how close, so when the referee Mm -hmm. puts the football on the ground to mark it, okay, how far away is a cornerback playing is he two or three or four or five feet or how far away is he oh he's pretty far he's at least like what 10 feet 10 feet he's far away 10 feet maybe farther i'm saying he's not close 10 feet try 10 yards 10 yards yeah my bad yeah i meant yards i had my metrics on metrics all messed up (sighs) Am I? Are we sure that I'm the brain dead one here? That I'm the one whose brain got zapped and fried? That that whole Eagles paraphernalia that you <laughs> wore has just completely zapped it. But it has. Well, we'll we'll get. By the way, I'll get right. I'm I've eight forty. We may have a, a separate what's bugging Chuckery. Oh because no! I got I got an issue here. It may not be your fault. It may not be. Okay. But I'm thinking that. I'm going to end up accusing you for it. But, oh, no. Um, I like Brenton Cox, but again, 
again for the 80th i gave you the stats and oh well don't force it okay but all of the top sack guys are first round picks they're first round players 70 percent dylan if you could if you could go the rest of your life in every decision that you make will have a 70 percent chance of a positive outcome do you take that i do okay again i'm not i'm not focused on the back end of the draft of solving my pass rush jiminy christmas there are a lot of four-letter words that i want to say that nobody understands why we are in the spot that we're in it's cute for who's this writer let's see here this is trevor sikama okay can i hit him with a folding chair knock some sense into him when do we start to draft and develop players that win football games How many winning seasons do we have? And I love A.J. Terrell. This is not about him. But how many winning seasons do we have with A.J. Terrell? How many have we had with Terrell and Casey Hayward? How many winning seasons do we have? None. Because you don't do the things that win football games. You don't build the roster the right way. We got unicorns. We got top-tier corners, and we still got five years of losing. We still have five years of losing. Even with unicorns, wide receivers, cornerbacks, all first round, and they're good players. But until you build this thing right, you won't turn the corner. Quarterback, O-line, D-line. Every successful franchise in the NFL has at least two of those things. And oftentimes, the best of the best of the best of the best of the best have all three. Dylan, did the Chiefs and Eagles have good quarterback play? Yes. Did they have really good offensive line play? Yes. Did they have really good defensive line play? Yes. But these nudniks, this is the Peter King theory. You don't understand why we don't lose. I watch every single second of every single Falcons game and get on air for four hours and talk about him and all that. Trevor Sikama doesn't do anything like that. That's when I when I read these things, they don't understand about the Atlanta Falcons. He may know more about the totality of the NFL because I could give two craps about Indianapolis or Jacksonville or any of those teams. Well, best available player. Now, let's get to another mock. Chad Reuter, 
NFL draft analyst for NFL.com. He's got his three-round mock-out. Again, all right, so here we go with, with this three-round mock. Bryce Young to the Texans, C.J. Stroud to the Colts, Jalen Carter to Arizona, Will Anderson to the Bears, um, and, and that's, I guess, a, a trade or whatever with the, with the Colts and te- whatever. It, it, who cares? Will Levis to Carolina. Uh, Christian Gonzalez to Detroit. Uh, the Raiders take Paris Johnson, Ohio State tackle. Falcons take Miles Murphy. Okay, I'm, I'm good with all that. The Falcons could use another receiver to pair with first-rounder Drake London. However, their lack of pass rush, 31st in sacks, means that they grab Murphy, who is just the type of strong, long-edge defender that Ryan Nielsen coached with his time in the Saints. Okay. So, again, all right, edge player, that's good. Here we go to the uh, second round of the draft. And this is where, what did I just say about Chad Reuter's write-up? Okay, here he goes, 38, or sorry, uh, pick number, uh, second round, pick number 44, Kayshawn Boutte. Wide receiver, second round. And we wonder why we can't win. If these Nudniks were GMs of NFL football teams, they'd all be 0-17. They would, they, or no, they'd be 0-0-17 because they'd all tie one another. First off, Boutte, you know, gave up on his team early in the year. That's first thing. And, yes, he's got a lot of upside potential. But when I'm so deficient, like how many more pass catchers do we need for a team that ran it over 50% of their plays? And if you think that's going to miraculously change with Desmond Ritter, that all of a sudden – We're going to be 75-25 pass. It ain't going to be that way. Meanwhile, I'll have a first-round wide receiver, first or second-round wide receiver, and a first-round tight end. Can't block enough guys. I can't get any sacks. Can't win at the line of scrimmage, and I got mediocre quarterback play. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, the play is going really well. (sighs) Oh. Then we go to the third round. <clears throat> Chad Reuter's draft. Uh, at pick number 75 for the Atlanta Falcons, he's got Matthew Bergeron, offensive tackle from Syracuse University. Okay. I, I, can, I can get behind that. Again, another line of scrimmage player. Although... Let's hope because D- Dylan, Dylan, name me the last guy that we drafted on our offensive line in the third round. Oh, that was a good old Matt Hennessy, wasn't it? Or Jalen Mayfield. I'm sorry, Jalen yeah. Mayfield. How'd that work out? Uh, he's bad. He's the, what was he, the absolute he worst? He was the worst interior offensive lineman Graded-wise, and, and maybe I've ever even seen in 50 years of alive on this earth. He was soup sandwich. Now, look, we just talked to D-Led, okay? And the philosophy has been to go cheap. I get that, okay? 
I got to take my best strength right now as my offensive line. It's my number one strength on this team. And I got to add to it and build it up. And if they picked an offensive line in the third round, hopefully he works better than the last guy that they drafted in the third round. Because that guy was the worst offensive lineman, not just for that season, maybe I've ever seen in the entire of the NFL. That guy was worse than James Stone and Mike Person at center for the Falcons. Who, when Matt Ryan in 2015 had to wear a baseball mitt to field grounders off the turf because neither one of those guys could snap the football. Matt Ryan was literally like Ozzie Smith out there fielding grounders off the turf, bouncing around, picking up the football off the ground. And by the way, that's a third-round pick that if they sign Caleb McGarry, won't even play. Why don't they get somebody that understands what the Falcons' woes are? Why don't they get somebody that understands all of that? Who can under who can point them in the right direction for what to pick? All right, when we get back, um, We'll hear from Brandon Adams, who joined the Midday Guys, as uh, obviously lots of news about Todd Munkin leaving for the Baltimore Ravens OC job and the fallout from all of that. Mike Bobo, now the OC at the University of Georgia. What Brandon Adams had to say from Dog Nation next up on uh, the John Chuckery Show, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 929, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back with the John Chuckery show. Hanging out on the in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody that's out there. If you're driving around, headed to restaurants or concerts or whatever, you know. I don't know, maybe a, a late night call to action or anything like that. So... Uh, we appreciate you being a part uh, of the show. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. <clears throat> Odyssey app how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. We're going to get to a What's Bug and Chuck in about 20 minutes from right now because I'm going to potentially call out Dylan because of something that happened both on Friday night and just happened here a little bit ago. And I'm trying to see if it's Dylon's fault. I'm very confused as to what I potentially could have done. Yes. Yes. Let me put it this way. If it's your fault, then you're a savage, wild, feral animal out in the woods. Oh. Um, so I feel like I didn't do what I'm what I might potentially be accused of, but I could have done it. I don't know. Um, well, it's it's pretty close to probably being you. Not saying I'm not I'm not accusing you until I ask the questions, but we'll get to all of that. And then and then at 9:20 when we do that's life, we got to have an intervention with Dylon. I mean, there's a lot going on with him. Like I I thought I was the one who was <laughs> brain dead and fried zapped brain and 
cells that were dying off and everything else uh, about it. So um, we'll, we got a lot of stuff to get into here over these next, whatever, couple of uh, hours that we're with you here. Earlier today, though, Brandon Adams from Dog Nation, he joined Andy and Randy and, of course, talking about the Todd Munkin leaving, going to the Ravens to be their OC. Obviously, Mike Bobo now is the new offensive coordinator for the University of Georgia. And Andy asked B.A. about what impact Todd Munkin leaving will have on the University of Georgia. Well, if you phrase it like how big of an impact, I guess we don't know that because obviously there's still a chance that Georgia's very good here moving forward. But how big of a deal is it given the impact that I think that Munkin has had over the course of the last you know, couple of years? We can clearly define that and say that Todd Munkin was a very significant catalyst in why Georgia has won the last two national championships. That if you look at the offense before he got here, that's 2019, just simply wasn't very good for that particular year. Georgia had made a bad coordinator hire with uh, James Coley, and Munkin was an immediate upgrade when he was hired, even the 2020 season, which was not necessarily great for Georgia in terms of on the field. I thought that Munkin's performance was probably fine. So this is a very important figure in Georgia's last two uh, national championships, and the next guy here faces a big task in matching some of the accomplishments that Munkin's been able to put together. What are some of, you, what were some, what are some of your listeners' uh, reaction when we found out, not necessarily that he was leaving, but that Kirby was replacing him with Mike Bobo? Now, you know that's controversial. And <laughs> listen, we can go back and debate this, and we can do that until we're all blue in the face, and I'm sure we probably will. At least I know I probably will be doing that for the next several months. But Bobo is just, in the eyes of a lot of Georgia fans, a controversial figure, even though statistically speaking, his offense is ranked near the top of the SEC, and in some cases near the top nationally. There is just this perception out there that uh, Mike Bobo is less than the standard of what Georgia needs in offensive coordinator right now, and it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. Putting aside whatever Mike Bobo is or isn't, it is amazing to me that Kirby Smart can deliver back-to-back national championships for Georgia and still not earn enough faith and trust to make the coordinator hire he wants to be able to make because ultimately that's what this comes down to. Sports is about winning and losing. When you've got scoreboard on your side, that's supposed to bring you some sort of you know, prestige, power, whatever else. And in this particular case, I think Georgia fans ought to view this as a scenario where the guy that led you to these two titles gets to make the coordinator hire that he wants to make, and the guy that he wants to hire is Mike Bobo, as we assumed that it probably would be. And to me, it's supposed to be as simple as that, and it's amazing to me how many people kind of want to make it more complicated than that. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. I think it's just also proof of like, okay, if back-to-back national championships does not afford you the the leeway from criticism in in a job like this, then nothing will, right? (laughs) Like there's nothing you can do to where a decision you're going to make is not criticized. But I also think that that's, that's good in a way because that's just how passionate people are for the program and for the sport and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to look at it from a positive of like, yeah, people. that's how much people care. Like that's how much people care about this program that even after back-to-back national championships, you're going to nitpick a hire from a guy who got you to those national championships. And maybe, maybe I'm just an optimistic guy. Like is that – Well, it's good for realistic? us. I mean, you know, you know, clearly we speak – you know, to the passion that exists for college football. So for someone like me who does a college football-centric show, it's great. And yeah, for right. y'all, obviously, college football is a big part of what you do. That's great there, too. But let's be honest here for a minute. It's also part of the reason why there is a brain drain of college coaches moving on to the NFL if they can, because college fans, we're just crazy, man. I mean, I, and maybe <laughs> NFL true. fans are, too. But, but, but I mean, there's a, a stripe of us college fans 
that just is just we're insane. And I think that, you know, a lot of coaches are like, this is almost a little too much uh, for me. And so, you know, the, the extraordinary passion for the good and the bad that you see in the SEC, you see in full display here with Georgia because, you know, the uh, confetti still being cleaned out of people's hair from having been in Los Angeles. And yet Georgia fans are also at each other's throats right now about what Mike Bobo is going to be his offensive coordinator. We are not a normal bunch. I can promise you that. <laughs> hey, VA, do True. you think it was more like, was it one of those things where you looked around, and me and Andy were talking about this off the air, you know, as far as coordinators, big-name coordinators were not l- actually leaving it. Like we're talking about Nick Saban could get coordinators to leave certain schools. Is it one of those things where Kirby just saw the writing on the wall and stuck with Bobo, or do you think it was Bobo, it was going to be Bobo all along when he uh, hired him on as an analyst? I think it was likely to be Bobo all along. I think that's what Kirby wanted. But that doesn't make the other part of what you said any less true, which is for some Georgia fans, they're going to say, man, I don't, want to, I don't want you to hire your friend here. I want you to go out and hire a big name. Right. But the legitimate question is, who is the big name? Right. Like Joe Brady was part of the LSU staff in 2019. I don't get the impression he wants any part of college football right now. Um, you know, Alabama just hired Tommy Reese as its offensive coordinator. That's a big-time program. I don't know that Reese represents a big-time hire. On and on you can go where you say, well, you look at the other coordinators who are being hired or even the other coordinators that are being rumored to be hired at various places, and I just don't see the big name. So this idea that, that Georgia should have swung with the fences as an offensive coordinator because of the fact it's won the last two national championships, I'm being trying to be as genuinely honest as I can be. I don't know anyone for whom would have felt big enough in that particular case because there is just not some huge home run hire to be made right now because if there was, some other program would have either tried to or succeeded in making that hire. And pretty much everything that's kind of happened along the offensive coordinator front of the course of the last few weeks has kind of been sort of meh a little right. bit. And by comparison, I think Mike Bobo actually looks pretty good. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when someone becomes the, the hot candidate – and then they get hired, it looks as though the school that hired them made a great decision, but it doesn't always work out either. Like Josh Gaddis was the hot name last year. Right? Yeah. He was the, whatever the award is you win for being assistant coach of yeah, the year. Of and then my, the Broyles Award. And Miami brings him in, makes him the offensive coordinator, and they fire him a year later. When they hired him, Cristobal was assembling the all-star staff of all-star staffs, and he was a genius, and everything was going to change in Miami in one year. Well, a year later, they Fired him, so I, I guess winning that day doesn't matter anymore. You know what I mean? Like it, we react to these things in the moment as if there's no history that tells us that it's not always cut and dry. I do wonder when you think about what Bobo's job will be this time versus what his job was last time. Like he's inheriting an offense that just won back-to-back national championships and was was sort of installed by Todd Munkin. How much Mike Bobo is going to be influenced on this offense and how much of the offense that he's inheriting is what the offense is going to look like next year? So this is one of those things that may be only particular to me, but I do feel strongly about this, and y'all would say this for the Falcons. Like When Steve Sarkeesian was here as offensive coordinator, I think he was being asked to run Kyle Shanahan's offense. Mm-hmm. I think Sarkeesian is a sharp mind, but I didn't like him trying to run somebody else's offense. <laughs> I like Sarkeesian getting a chance to be himself. And I'd say Kentucky this year, you bring in Rich Scangarello to try to run Liam Cohen's offense. That didn't work very well either. So as good as Todd Munkin was and as effective as his playbook was, I don't know, As a, and I'm speaking as a Georgia fan here, I don't know that I want Mike Bobo 
running the Todd Munkin playbook. Todd Munkin influences, Todd Munkin philosophy. I hope that does remain in Georgia. Right. But asking an offensive coordinator to run somebody else's playbook, I think we see lots of examples where that doesn't really work so well. Even in Alabama where yeah. they've kind of tried to keep a, an offensive strain alive for years, I think under Bill O'Brien you finally saw that kind of dissolve, and that wasn't uh, you know what it once was. So I think this is tricky where – you know, there's a lot of respect, you know, duly given to Todd Munkin, but I don't think that respect should extend to the standpoint of, ooh, I just want Mike Bobo to run Todd Munkin's offense because oftentimes in football when I see that tried, I just don't really see that being successful. Yep. Uh, what, what about uh, the aspects of recruiting? I know there's a lot of people talking about this uh, Rayoli boy. Uh, what was his relationship with Todd Munkin? Is it one of those things where, I mean, hell, you already got two five-stars. What's this one going to do? Is he better than the other two when we haven't seen those two guys? How do you think that will affect as far as recruiting, especially the quarterback position? I, I mean, listen, I, I don't mind telling you this. I think Georgia's chances of winning with Dylan Rayola are probably better with Mike Bobo's offensive coordinator than they would have been with Todd Monk. And part of that's just because of the fact that Rayola and, and, and Bobo have a good relationship. Another part of that is Bobo is just a better recruiter overall. Mm-hmm. And Listen, Todd Munkin was very good at a lot of things, but I can't think of a single player over the course of the last three years that came to Georgia because of Todd Munkin. That's just not what Munkin brought to this program. He was not a recruiter, whereas Mike Bobo, going back to his time on the Georgia staff, he was among the better recruiters in the entire staff, regardless of position on either side of the ball, and Bobo won with recruits oftentimes that weren't even necessarily you know, offensive-type players. So it remains to be seen what Bobo gives Georgia on the field as coordinator. Obviously, we'll have to see that. But I think we have enough information right now to say that Georgia has upgraded its recruiting prowess, the offensive coordinator position, by hiring Mike Bobo. I think that's pretty clear in the contract. B.A., we appreciate, appreciate the it, analysis, B. as always. Thank you. Back to more John Chuckery. He's in the zone. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, back with the John Chuckery Show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening. 404-741-0929, that's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site, you catch us on the go. Social media at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. All right, before we get to um, what's bugging Chuckery here, let me ask you a question, Dylon. We're so Friday night. Uh huh. Get my what's bugging Chuckery story. Friday night, I went to use the microwave oven and, and heat up my food. In in here. Yes. Okay. Okay. And there was ten seconds left on the microwave. Ah. Then tonight. Hmm. 7.35, whatever, after, you know, before we played D-Led, I went to heat up my food. Yes. Ten seconds left on the microwave again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you the culprit that has left ten seconds multiple nights on the microwave? I am happy to say I'm not because, one, I did not use the microwave today. Okay. Nor did I use it at that time on Friday. I did use it on Friday, but not at that time. However, when I have gone to use the microwave before, I have noticed the same thing as you, John Chuckery. Okay. Somebody, I don't know who, yep. but somebody is leaving time on the microwave, yep. and I don't like it either. Okay. So they are uncivilized, feral, savage 
wild animals. <laughs> How, first off, what do you think the difference is going to be in the way your food is cooked from the 10 seconds that's left on the microwave? Like, what do you have to exactly wait till 10 seconds left on the microwave that that's the appropriate? So if you cook your food for 2 minutes and 30 seconds, okay? Right. You know you can hit the buttons that it doesn't have to be 230. It can be 220. <laughs> okay? You savages. <laughs> and again, what's the difference in the 10 seconds that your food, oh, my God, if I cook the food that last 10 seconds, it's going to blow up on me. That cheese going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is, again, it's this is the second night in a row that this has happened. So quickly, if I can, let me ask you, what grinds your gears so much about it? Because I can tell you're passionate about this. Because it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's a waste of time. Like, you just assume that you pop the microwave door in, go, and all this, and then now i got to clear things out. you got to do all this extra right. fall to roll right. and clearing out right? and resetting. Just because somebody's an uncivilized, feral, savage, wild animal with no <laughs> regard for anybody else that has to use the microwave oven. Like, how do you not just let the 10 seconds cook the rest of your food? How 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 do you do that? Are you standing there and waiting for it to just perfectly get to one zero on the microwave and then say, now I gotta stop it? <laughs> and then not even clear it out. Right. I mean that's a common courtesy. It's uncouth. Yes. Just clear it out. Yes. If you know you left extra time on there, clear it out. Yes. And especially. Ten seconds. Like, what do you think's going to happen by just not letting the microwave do its job for those last ten seconds? Oh my gosh, I'm, I got my stopwatch on. I got, I gotta cook this. Hey, yay! And here's what makes it extra annoying about the ten seconds because now, say we aren't paying attention, we just kind of hit go because you know how you can do like if you just automatically start to automatically do this thirty seconds, you keep adding thirty seconds till where you get to where right. you want to. If you so, if you're just going quick. Now you got that 10 seconds of starting, and you know your thing's not going to cook in 10 seconds, and now you just got to redo everything. And like you said, it's just annoying. Right. And, again, I don't cook everything on just the highest setting. Like, I can push the power button and set it for what I want. You know, so you don't overcook it so that you don't have to have the fear of God about, oh, my God, my 10 seconds is still on the microwave oven. My food's going to burn up and crumble to the ground if I cook it that extra 10 seconds on high. <sighs> it's uncouth. It is. <laughs> Let me tell you when. when Can I, I tell you then, <laughs> if it's not you, I have an idea who it is? I think I may know who it is, too. Yeah, I, I have an idea. But <laughs> and, and, and it's running that fletch or stitch or... Whatever. Is that who it is? Wait, Fletch and what? The the camera thing. Oh Fitch and Fletch, is it is it him? I don't know if I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Whisper. I don't know okay. if it's him. 
Well, it has to be somebody in that immediate area. I it, no, I think it's I think it's somebody from that group. I have a, I have two suggestions on who it is from that group. I don't think I don't think it's him though. Okay, but I think it's I think it's I think it's one or two people from that group though. Because I think they're the only, at least for me. Now it could be, but they're the only two. They're the only ones I see actually use the microwave. What two? Turtle and squid. Okay. I think it's I think it's turtle. Because I've not seen Mike usually will bring a salad or something like that. Yeah. Carl doesn't usually eat during the show. Nope. So, it, it but might, they're savages. They are. It. The only re- I think it's turtle because I know he brings like. Little food sometimes, like I think uh, I've seen him bring Red Baron pizzas and stuff like that. But I think he eats it earlier in the day, which is why we don't see him pop it at ten seconds, and then later on he eats his yogurt because I see him eat his yogurt and stuff. Or it could be squid. Well, and we're just not you, seeing it. How do you, how do you just let it time out to exactly ten seconds and then say, okay, that's all the longer I can cook it, right? Versus again, two minutes and twenty seconds or, instead of two. Th- I mean, like you can set the specific time. Like when you program it, you have to put the exact time in there that you want to cook it. And why would you set it for ten seconds longer than that? And to your point, they have to be watching it too. Yes, because if like you if you walk to, away and you do stuff, right. you're probably gonna forget right. Again, and just let it time out. If it if it was just a random time that it happened, but this is two nights in a row: Friday night and tonight. Because I wasn't in last yeah. night. Right. So it's two nights in a row where it's been the exact same time that is left on the microwave. Uncouth, uncivilized, That's crazy. feral, wild animal savages. <laughs> Lordy. All right, let's get to what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. No self-respecting gentleman would leave 10 seconds on the microwave and just leave it hanging there. So, <laughs> law enforcement agents have confiscated over 600 fake championship rings from four major U.S. professional sports leagues and NCAA championship rings from a South Carolina memorabilia store. Okay? Now, here's what this is. They say that the that if they would have sold these for the value of the rings, okay, because they include Super Bowl rings, they include NBA Finals rings, they include World Series rings, they include Stanley Cup rings, and 251 championship rings from the NCAA. They said if they would have sold them at face value, it would have been $16 million. Now, let me ask you a question, Dylon. Okay? Kirk's Collectibles is the store, and it's in Anderson, South Carolina. Right. Which is just on the other side of the book. When you cross into South Carolina, mm-hmm. you're just a, up 85. You're just a few miles from Anderson. Now, why would, if I'm a customer, okay, and I'm looking at buying an authentic Super Bowl ring, 
Why would I go to Kirk's Collectibles <laughs> in Anderson, South Carolina, and see 600? They, they said that they had 50, no, 157 Super Bowl rings, 83 NBA Finals rings, 99 World Series rings, 29 Stanley Cup rings, and 251 NCAA championship rings for all kinds of different sports. Yeah, if you if you think those are real and those are authentic, then there's no help for you. I don't right. know what to tell you. Exactly. Why would I be going to Kirk's Collectibles in Anderson, South Carolina to pick up one of these 600 championship rings? Like that doesn't raise any red flags as a customer. That doesn't make you scratch your head and say, now how did he exactly get 600 different championship rings that are worth? And, and by the way, you mean to tell me that that guy, that if you'd have said, let's see, this guy's got just a brick-and-mortar store with a locked front door and he's keeping, I don't know, $16 million worth of merchandise in the store. Somebody got whiff of that, and he would have got robbed. Yeah. Immediately. Exactly. If that stuff was real. If it was real, it would be, let's see, one, two, three, four, he's robbed. That's how long it would have taken for $16 million worth of merchandise in the store. If that was real, he wouldn't have lasted a week, probably not two days. And they say it's at an upstate mall. No arrests have been made. Law enforcement officials emphasize the severity of counterfeiting. South Carolina Secretary of State Mark Hammond said it's not a victimless crime. Yeah, it's for the brain-dead people, even in my brain-dead state. Why would I think to go to Anderson, South Carolina, and if I saw 600 different championship rings, I'd be like, Wait a second, this this can't be real. He probably he probably bought like you know how you how the teams would do like the replica rings and stuff like that. He probably bought all of that stuff off Amazon, yeah. got all the replica stuff, yeah. and sell it off as the real and thing. And I was looking at their Facebook page. They, they've got you know some they got pennants and banners, right? And like uh, trash cans that say North Carolina South. You know what I mean? Like right. like a typical college type of store. Yeah. But if I looked at a case and I saw 600 Super Bowl World Series, I would be like, uh, okay. And probably some guy named Vinny behind the counter. Oh, yeah, I, I can I can speak to the authenticities of, of all of them. Vinny, where's your certificate? With all due respect, if... You didn't have a – if you were purchasing at that store and didn't have a red flag raised by all of those championship rings and a guy that has that kind of merchandise in the store and doesn't, you know, have guys with machine guns. Like, honestly, like, if you were having that kind of merchandise in a store, I'd have an armed guard at all times – Roaming my store. I mean, you see it. $16 million worth of merchandise, which would have been what the actual value would have been if this was real. I mean, you see it at, like, spaces if you go to Lennox, like, 
um, like Cartier or Gucci or whatever, they have guards yeah. outside. And, and sometimes they don't even let you into the store. You right. have to get permission to go into the store, but not Kirk's Collectibles. So if you lost money on this proposition, brother, I've got some beachfront property in Iowa. I've got a timeshare to sell you. Reach out to old Chuckery, and I've got a timeshare and some beachfront property in Iowa. I got some things that I can sell you to make you feel better. They're probably the same people that think that I, those uh, IRS calls are real. Yeah, right. Oh, man. I tell you, some people will fall for just about anything, and that's what's bugging Chuckery. All right, we get back from the top of the hour. How will Mike Bobo do his second time around? He's now the University of Georgia offensive coordinator. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app.